Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode, because it is time to drop in. Welcome back to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. I have an extra special guest today. This is a new friend. Alexandra Ginelli is a certified hypnotherapist through the Hypnosis Motivation Institute and a certified life coach from the IPEC Coach Training Program. She's passionate about creating sustainable, conscious change and behavioral shifts through her breathe, listen, change techniques. In 2015, Alexandra began bringing Modern Sanctuary, a collaborative beauty and wellness spot to life in New York City and Philadelphia. She has recently moved into the wellness tech platform, Created Verbal, the platform that will combine intuitive technology, hypnosis, and virtual reality in one comprehensive experience that can help you create the change that you want in your life. And I am so excited to dive in and talk about all of those things. Alexandra, thanks for making time in your busy schedule to have a conversation with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. It, uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. And it's always a gift to be able to share about what I'm doing. I think it's really exciting. Uh, it, it is really exciting. I was kind of like editing your bio a little bit last night. And I was like, I, there's like so much to talk about. I hope we can kind of like fit this into a nice comprehensive you <laughs> conversation. Next weekend. So just to kind of introduce yourself to the audience, I'd love to hear a little bit about what got you started and kind of what led you here. Sure. So I think there's a few things. If I go really far back, Mm. my earliest childhood memories, and I think this came out in coaching, was one of my passions is creating. Like, I don't care if it was creating paper dolls or cutting up cardboard boxes to make them into cars. I loved creating. And I think that becomes very relevant later in my life and my story. But it was really in 2000, the early 2000s, I went to go see a hypnotherapist for finger picking. Um, I'd been in therapy, divorced parents, you know, teenage angst, let's get you into therapy and help you. Um, And at the time, I think they were really considering high dosage of medication to help Mm. with picking of which I was like, this is just not the route I want to go down. Intuitively didn't want to do it. Um, But I can tell you within two sessions of hypnotherapy, I had completely stopped um, picking. Wow. People used to call me hamburger hand, like because they looked so bad. That's how anxious, you know, I talk it all up to a lot of different things going on at the time, but it was so gross and it was sort of mind blowing. I was like, wow, this is what life is like not doing this. Now, there are triggers that I have that will get it to jump in or kick out again. But it's so much more manageable and more in control. And it was it's just mind blowing. So I think from there, that was sort of my taste into something that really changed my life. And it wasn't until I moved to Chicago that um, I was like, I'm leaving my job in environmental consulting. What is it I want to do? Yeah. And I debated going back to school for graphic design, which I'm really glad I didn't because now I, there are so many amazing platforms that you can do that on with uh, Canva and Squarespace. But um, 
I almost went to that tech school. And but I was like, what is that? That's really changed my life. And I somehow I wish I could remember the moment, but I go back to be a hypnotherapist. And I was like, I really hope I don't have to go take my like graduate school exams and stuff. Cause I was like, I'm terrible at exam here. So I called up my hypnotherapist. The GREs are involved. I'm out. I'm out. hundred percent. Like I started a GRE class and I was like, I'm a terrible test taker. I just know this about myself. I'm mm. not, that's not me. Um, what other avenues can I go? Right. What other options do I have? And it turned out there was a school, um, Hypnosis Motivation Institute a California distance learning program that I was like, let me try the first course, see if I like it. And boom, signed up for the whole thing and just cruised through the program, started my practice out in Chicago, working with Northwestern students and then moved back to California. And that was sort of just starting fresh as a newbie, not knowing anything about this world, owning a business everyone's telling me I'm crazy to do it. Oh, it's just another Alex cookie scheme. I was going to say, what what year is this at that point? So I left my job 2008, uh, 2009, went back to school, 2010, started my practice in Chicago. And then I think it was 2012, I moved back. Wow. And I, I was going to say, like, I think that that's important to note in terms of your story because we're a lot more receptive now, I feel like on the whole to things like hypnotherapy, you know, there's just people in the general public that know about things like shadow work, um, people are meditating. There's a lot that's kind of happened and become more mainstream. But at that point in time, like there's not social media, there's not really this huge movement towards like holistic wellness, if you will. So how did you really actually break into being what turned out to be quite successful, you know, at that time? It's such a good question. I think at the time, it was a matter of just, well, one, I had some fire under my ass because my (laughs) my ex at the time was, he's like, you have six months to make this work before you have to go get a job. And I was like, okay. Um, And I'm a, I live in the, I can prove this. Let me see. Here we go. (laughs) Tell Um, me I can't. Why don't you? (laughs) I think the first step was the feedback I kept getting from people is, oh, my God, I I would never get hypnotized. Right. So there was such a misconception around what it was that the first Mm -hmm. step was really education. And that really carried me a long way in terms of making it very digestible for people. Because I think there's a lot of woo woo hypnosis out there. There's a place for it. Not knocking it um, because certain people like certain things. But for me, it was about making it very as much science based as possible. Um, I come from a science background of conservation biology. Uh, so it was very important for me to make it digestible, understandable and simplified to be able to go. This is what it is. This is what it's not. Here's what mm-hmm. to expect. Here's what not to expect. And that scripting really solidified itself more and more the more I did it and learned. Right. They call it a practice because you're always practicing. Um. And I think it was just having a clear, precise website, talking to people. It was all about networking. It was really, I think what we've lost in this day and age is we stand behind our Instagram or social media or, you know, computers. But at the at the time in 2012, 13, 14, you know, that existed, but it was really about being in, in front of people and getting the mm-hmm. word out and talking letting them know you and who you are to trust you because once you have someone's trust, they're more likely to go there with you. Mm -hmm. So it was really about putting that out there and 
And I think that got picked up a lot by people hearing about it and wanting to try it. I mean, at the time I did a Groupon, you know, I was like, I don't, I just want to work, right? At this point, I was like, I have a gift and I want to share it. I don't care if it's $50 or $100. And then slowly it was raising my rates just because, you know, you have to understand the business side too, which is a, another part of my story. I'm sure we'll get into the business side, but it was mm-hmm. really learning at the time. Like there's the practitioner you and there's the business you and then there's the personal life you and they're all very different and when to wear those hats and how to wear them. So having a mentor was such an important part of my journey that um, I'm realizing it's now going to become part of my journey too of sharing being a mentor to others and what that looks like. Can you actually speak about that a little bit in terms of, you know, how you found your mentor, um, you know, not necessarily like specifically who you mentored with, but how you found your mentor? How did you decide that that was going to be a good mentor for you? And what were the things that you learned? Because I feel like a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, probably half, if not more, are people who are some type of spiritual entrepreneur or like soulpreneur. And they know that they have gifts. They know that they're really good at delivering for, you know, their clients. And it's the business piece. And that's where there is a million and one business coaching programs out there. And I know a lot of people who have thrown a lot of money into business coaching programs that they have not gotten anything really useful or tangible out of. And all said and done, they usually end up spending what would have been the equivalent of just working one-on-one with a mentor specific to them and where they wanted to go. So if you could just take a moment to talk a little bit about mentorship, what it is, and how it impacted your life and your journey. Sure. Um, At the time, my mentor was um, actually the hypnotherapist I had seen before. Oh, very Um, cool. I actually reached (laughs) back out and we just kept working together. Um, And I think the more we work together, the right. I I just know also about myself that I learn best when I experience it myself. Mm. Um, Not that my experience is going to be the same as anyone else's, but it helps me understand it directly. Um, and so knowing my learning techniques and that, um, I also was a big avid reader at the time in terms of like digesting information upon information, mm-hmm. um, which is not typical me. If I were going to be really honest, I am not a big researcher. Um, I'm a learn by experience kind of person. I think that's been very much part of my story. But um, I think finding a mentor is really about understanding what is it that you would like to get out of them. And be very clear that you're the one in charge of what it is you want to learn and take away from things instead of putting it on them to go, you, you tell me what I need to know. And it's Mm, like, yeah, I don't know what you need to know. Right. And I think that's the premise of coaching, right? It's like, yep. I was about to say, I think that's like the big difference between coaching and mentorship. Mentorship, it's kind of like, hey, like, you know, I don't know marketing. I see that you're a really amazing marketer. Can you help me, you know, figure out my, particular type of marketing or what's going to work for me versus a coach. It's going to be like, I'm a marketing coach and I'm going to teach you how to market. Like, okay, like, you know what you're going for. They're going to teach you a particular thing. Mentorship is a lot more led by the the student essentially than it Correct. is the person Very who's providing the process, information. Right. You know, and I think there's a nice thing about being a mentor with having the coaching and certifications as well that you can get into that, okay, where are your blocks, right? Not only am I working with you to help answer questions, but I'm also working with you 
help you become your best business self as well. Um, so I think that was really helpful was to always sort of have this liaison, have someone continually working on myself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. I just knew that was my process. I think there, I wish I had more business mentorship in terms of like getting deep into the nitty gritty of business. And I think a lot of ego got in the way at the time being like, I'll do it my way. And I think there's something to be said about doing it your way and knowing, you know, who is your business? And I say who, because your business is a person. It's a living, breathing thing that's mm-hmm. also growing. So who is my business? <clears throat> Who's in my tribe, right? What are my core beliefs for the business? And making sure that you're constantly going, does this align with my belief system, my core values? Because not everything, the biggest lesson, not everything that's sparkly is gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can waste a lot of time on things that, require energy and will not produce for you. So um, I think in some ways, I wish I had more of a financial business mentor in that regard. And, you know, money has always in some ways been my weak spot, but it's, and I'm going into like the new businesses now, it's much more cleaned up than clear of what to do and not to do, uh, you know, but I think you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make expensive mistakes at times. Um, but it's can you trust yourself enough to know you know how to make money or a mm. good product and then surrounding yourself with the right people um, that will elevate you, right? You want to be the, I always want to be the stupidest person in the room of people who are <laughs> supporting me because then I know I'm doing something right, mm-hmm. right? I have a base of knowledge around me. Yeah. And kind of going about the, you know, who you surround yourself with, it is no secret that you've been able to work with what we would consider are some pretty like high caliber, high achieving individuals. And I feel like that's where a lot of people, again, know that they have something very valuable to offer. I know like the other day, what was I watching? I was watching like Selling Sunset on Netflix or something like that. And there's like, you know, these, and I know part of the point of the show is the drama, but I'm like, I could help you guys so much. Like you just oh, like, you just need some like communication strategies. We need to like do a little bit of shadow work. We need to like work on our subconscious beliefs here. Like y'all could be like all like happy and holding hands and working like at such a high level, like synergistically. I like watch it and I'm like, oh, please. I know it's like <laughs> cringy at times as a coach. You're like, why are you into the trauma? Like hire me as a consultant. I can help you. Like this is, and yeah. it's so interesting to me when there is, that level of dysfunction and um, immaturity and just lack of emotional intelligence at such a high level. Like that to me is just mind blowing if I'm going to be really honest, because there's these people who are so incredibly successful and so incredibly like this other area of their life is just, whoa, like way down there in comparison to like their, you know, professional success. And I think that's where a lot of people who are very successful in a certain area of their life, they think, oh, well, like, I don't, I don't need to work on myself. Like, I don't need to actually like, you know, get coaching or therapy or hypnotherapy or do any shadow work because like I'm making a lot of money or I'm really successful. So kind of having that conversation, like what do you feel like it was about the way that you approached your business or the way that you marketed yourself that helped people who were successful see the value of what it was that you were doing? I think every, I would say... It's a really good question. And I think if I step back and look at it, 
there's always the word of mouth, right? And I think word of mouth is the most beautiful gift that you can give anybody, any therapist or any business, right? It's, I saw this person, they were wonderful, you need to see them. And my job from that point is to also set expectations Mm. of, I'm going to do my best work that I can do for you. However, it may not be in comparison to what someone else experienced the same. So I always, my job is to not over promise, but to do my job. And I think the really perfect story actually is I had a, psycho- a psychologist show up who was years and years of training, much older, wonderful woman. And I really got really nervous because I was young in my career. I look young. I'm 41 now, but I look young. So you can only imagine when I'm in my 30s, I look younger. <laughs> and this like old, like very schooled, educated, like doctor comes in and I'm just like I'm nervous. And my ego started taking over. My mm-hmm. anxiety started taking over. And then I had to really stop and take that moment to balance myself to go, she's here because I have something that she wants and needs. And so all I can do is do my job and do it the best I can on my expectations versus her expectations. Mm-hmm. And I've had clients where I've actually said, I can't work with you for a couple reasons. One, either it's outside my scope of practice, which I always try to catch those before people come into waste their time. But sometimes people are like, I want you to make me like eating vegetables. I'm like, do you like vegetables? I'm like, no. I'm like, I, I can't make you do anything you want, right? Or they're just so negative that anything I would say to them would just be twisted and like, changed into a a negative and that's sometimes how you know why as hypnotherapists I am not a licensed psychologist I'm not a licensed psychiatrist I'm not a social worker I have a boundary of where I work so the ethics of it it's knowing your realm where you work and when it's time to refer out or get a um a referral that I can Mm. work with this client from their medical professional because you know we're here to do good. And I think everyone has the intention of if someone comes in with severe depression, right? I, I would love to work with you. I have a bleeding heart, but there's a, there is a point where I recognize I can do more harm than good. And it's, I need to do what's right to the client. So it's really finding those borderlines, right? Someone who has severe depression, I can't work with you on this piece of it. However, I can touch on this. How does that sound? Now you're going to hear some of the trauma come out in the story, but it's like, you have to just keep remembering to keep it to the side or be like, this is needs to be touched on with your therapist. Um, and I mean, amazingly in New York, most people have therapists already too. So <laughs> um, I, there wasn't as much need for a referral, which is wonderful. I love that people are getting therapy, but it's very much about setting expectations of what I can do, what I can't do, because there's nothing worse than a client leaving disappointed. Mm, and it yeah. happens. Yeah. I, I mean, it, and that's where, you know, if you know that you showed up and you did the best that you could do, then that's all that we can really do as practitioners. But the other thing I'm hearing from you is the importance of really identifying your zone of genius and being able to lean into it fully, because that's where you're really going to be able to deliver those potent transformations, you know, for your clients. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's really interesting when I'm working with a client, it really, I mean, you hear crazy stories. I'm sure you have too, right? There's, I live in this white bubble of what my reality is. And then 
I get to jump into all these different stories of other people's mm-hmm. realities. And some of them are really dark and some of them are really sad. Um, but it's always giving people, I think what people have always said over and over and the consistent feedback is I just felt comfortable with her. You know, like it's not uncommon. That people are like, wow, can't believe I told you all that. And it's like, uh, um, I'm v- having that real truly judge-free space of it doesn't matter what I know. I want to understand you in context. So I almost see it. It's like I see the person sitting in front of me and this is that intuitive part where it's like you are just an outline pencil sketch and I want you to fill in the colors for me, right? They might say, oh, I like love dogs so much. And it's like, well, I hate dogs. Ugh, how could you like a dog? But it's no, it's like, tell me why. Tell me about that. Tell me the history. And like all of a sudden you see this image and like real picture of them within their context show up, right? And the same thing happens when it's like, tell me about your triggers now and you see the context change around. And all of a sudden you can be like, oh, wow, this is where that like moment is and this is where the work is. Let's go deeper into it. So it's giving people that forum to feel safe, right? People Mm want to feel safe. They want to feel heard and like they want to feel different. And so it's how do you tap that to go, what would that be like? It's hard to visualize sometimes, but by asking like empowering questions, not why do you do that? Because I don't know. It's like, well, what do you do? Tell me that first and reframe it from there. Even a slight shift Mm -hmm. question can change the answer completely. Yeah. And that's where, you know, one of the things that I really move forward with all the time is when I first went to graduate school, one of the professors that I had in like, it was like a marital therapy, like 101, like real basic, like first semester, like welcome. Um, And she was somebody who at that point, I think she was probably in her, I don't know, I'm going to say like late seventies, like real, like, you know, just wise person who had been like working in the field for years, still worked in the field and took time to teach. And she said to us, she was like, look, she was like, it's great that you're going to graduate school and all of the stuff that you're going to learn is really important. But the thing that is the most important is always going to be just you holding space for another human being. That is the most powerful, most therapeutic piece of what it is that we do. All the stuff is just sprinkles and icing and confetti on top. Like that's great. But just being able to sit and neutral space and let that person know that they're safe, that everything that they say to you is is okay, right? That it's all just information and that unless, you know, in the therapy world, you're a danger to yourself or others, like it's all good. It's all good. Like you can be whoever you want to be. You can show up however you want to show up. It's all okay. I'm not going to sit here and have a reaction, a response, a judgment, a, a criticism of you. You can just be. And she said, she was like, that right there, that's probably 90% of it. And I have taken that forward with me. And like, yes, you know, I I feel like I'm a very skilled, you know, practitioner. But ultimately, there have definitely been times where people share things with me. And I'm like, I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to sit here and feel this with you because I got got nothing. I got, I like, I got nothing. And then what could we possibly say, right? Like, and even going, it's understandable what you're going through. It's like, is it? These things shouldn't, right? That's that word should. 
right? These things shouldn't happen, but they do. So it's like, how can we just make sure we hold space to mo- help people shift through them, rationalize them, understand them, feel them? The feelings are hard, right? I think I, the funny thing is in my office, I'm always like, stop saying I think. Stop saying I think. I'm like, let's use your other part of your brain if I feel. And everyone's like, I feel, oh, yeah. Weird. Thank you. Right, because we're like we're here up here up here up we're like we're like what what it feels All like everything. and they've kept themselves and every time when i after i work with clients sometimes some of my more long-term clients usually end up turning more into coaching clients mm-hmm. hypnosis but we integrate them both but um yeah it's like oh yeah i feel like i'm like there <laughs> yeah Good. and i think that that's also where you had touched on this a bit in the earlier part of your story making sure that as you are becoming a practitioner, that you're continuing to do your own work because having, you know, bias, having ego, having reactions, that is human. That is normal. That is natural. Like we are not sitting there like as a robot and it doesn't matter if you're a therapist, a hypnotherapist, a coach, it really doesn't matter, but you being able to integrate and process and actually not be reactive. You can be responsive, but not being reactive to your clients because it's bringing up some of your own shit. That is to me of the utmost importance. It doesn't matter what certifications or schooling or whatever that you go to. If you haven't done that piece of your work where you know what's yours (laughs) and you're able to take accountability and responsibility and ownership for it, you're going to accidentally, most likely, you know, you're going to mess things up for your clients and that is not okay. Correct. No, it's it's such an important thing to recognize too, because there are times that, you know, we get triggered as your your counterpart. And it is important, right? It doesn't matter. I always say when I shut the door to my office, it's taking that moment to recognize that I don't matter in this moment, right? Like it's going back into that caregiver energy of like, this is all about you. I can come back into the picture in a little bit, but like, in this moment, door closed in this space, us, um, and more about you. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. we get triggered. I mean, I've had clients where after they leave, I'm just like, oh, 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 I need to like sage myself afterwards. And, Cause it is an emotional energy dump and like people do want you to fix them. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to help you fix you. Um, and you put the work back on them and you can always tell those clients where it's like, there's nothing wrong with wanting someone else to do the work because it works hard. Works hard. <laughs> Let me say it again for anyone who needs to hear that. The work is hard. Yes. But you don't yes. have to do it alone. And that's the nice part. And I keep telling my clients that this is hard and you don't have to have the answers yet. That's why we're going through it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just- and I think that that also kind of brings me a little bit to the other piece of your work that I'm super interested in because as a healer, as a coach, you know, as somebody who is holding space for a lot of people, I require a lot of self-care. And so for me, like when I'm looking, you know, my day off and I'm looking to recharge myself, I'm like, okay, like where can I go and like get a massage and get some energy work and get, you know, and I think that that is so important to be able to have spaces for healers to go and get healing. And I'm not going to lie, I haven't been to Modern Sanctuary yet, but it is like on my to-do list because you have so many juicy, amazing, just like, ooh, like awesome stuff like going on there. And 
I kind of want to backtrack a little bit, let people know what it is. And also like, how did you transition from I'm a hypnotherapist to like, now I'm a brick and mortar owner of a wellness space? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Where do I start in this story? It always starts with an ex-boyfriend, doesn't it? (laughs) It's so funny. My my family actually measures my life in like significant others. (laughs) Um, My ex and I at the time, really, I was working out of a wellness space already uh, in New York. And we went out to the Montauk Salt Cave, which Mm. is in Montauk. It's a salt cave. It's very cool. We loved it. And I was, and my ex at the time had really bad asthma and it really helped him. So we were like, I wonder if there's anywhere in the city and me being the entrepreneur and him being in the venture capital was like, maybe we can start our own. And I was like, this is a great idea. From there, like that became the mission of salt room just a few practitioners long story short ended up being i ended up taking over a lease of the wellness center i had been working out of okay um, which was five thousand square feet 15 different uh 18 treatment rooms at the time yeah wait and i painted the walls black and put crocodile wallpaper up and but in a hit, like the salt room came about a year later, but um, it was kind of like a WeWork of wellness where it was a collaboration space of just practitioners renting, working together under one roof. And mm. then slowly I started offering more and more services there um, to generate income. And then, of course, you know, it became really uh, a community. And I think that was really cool. We have parties, we do events, I was networking, I, you know, met an art gallery and i was like let's do a hypnosis art gallery show that became one of the top shows in new york that winter and it was just cool and i feel like it opened up for me community is very important to me a way and a place for us all to get together and do that and be unique and be excited and support each other in this loving really caring way and i think people love people loved modern i mean we had our haters we Maybe we earned them, maybe we didn't. I don't know. You know, we're all different. But uh, yeah, so Modern was amazing and we were doing great. And then COVID hit as many business owners went through. Um, You know, I think everything happens for a reason. It's an experience that as a business owner was very eye-opening. I think I learned a lot about myself. It was incredibly painful. Um, I'm really grateful for our landlord that we had at the time who's very thoughtful. I'm grateful to the renters I had at the time too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the people that were willing to be part of the mission with me because we did end up closing sadly due to just not knowing that on the trajectory we weren't going to be able to recoup. Um, and term it finally just our lease was ending and it was time to go. But what a, what a journey. But I think at the time, Again, it goes back to that having the right people around you. I jumped in thinking, just going, I can do this. I can do this. And I did do it. But there was a point where I ended up getting married, pregnant, and was like, oh, my God, now I can't do this. Um, so there's becoming like this real informational shift. But so Modern Sanctuary, the whole mission with Modern was as a hypnotherapist, I wanted more. Um, I recognized that I can't be... I didn't necessarily want to rely on always me having to be there to produce an income and thought doing this would be a great idea. It was all about helping people find home within themselves. And the same thing holds true of the business in Philly, where it's we painted the walls black based on this idea of sensory deprivation. 
We want you to come out of the light into the darkness to really go inward with yourself, whether that's mm. massage, Reiki, acupuncture, whatever, um, and to really go inward to find your balance and grounding because when you change the way you feel internally, it changes the way you relate to the world, right? Everything is mm -hmm. a relationship in mm -hmm. relation to, right? So when you can change that, everything around you changes. And so we always wanted it to feel like home. I know in New York, the waiting room looked like a living room setup because I love home. Home is really important to me. I'm, I get sad when home's not a special place for people. Um, and so we wanted to feel like a place where you can come home to be taken care of. Uh, so that was really the mission. And the mission still holds true. I think having closed New York and then revamping into the Philadelphia, it was really learning, taking from that, what did I learn and how can I implement that again? So we really took the best of the best, um, did it on a much smaller scale and narrow. Um, we offer massages, facial, body contouring, our crystal bed, shot for chakra balancing. We have Reiki practitioners, um, cupping, lymphatic drainage, infrared sauna, red light therapy. And this is all in five little cute rooms that are all uniquely designed um, with a front desk waiting room. And then hopefully we'll expand from there. We're looking to put in a workshop space as well. Um, oh, yeah, I think that is one of the things that I've noticed people really now are re craving that like in person, like they want to have workshops, they want to have gatherings, they want to come together. And we were totally fine. Like, you know, Hey, like I'm going to do like a workshop on zoom. Everyone's like, cool, cool. And now like, I feel like if people are having that option between zoom? in person and zoom, what? people like want to be in person, which I think is beautiful. We're getting back to that. And like, yeah, it's cool to have the convenience of, you know, being able to do something virtually and yep. I think it makes it more accessible for people. But I think there's just something really special about being able to be in a shared space where everyone is energy. bringing their energy. Yeah. And really just kind of creating that little bubble, you know, it's just, you're leaving your home, you're going somewhere else, you're really immersed mm. um, in a space and it really helps it to be more of a, an embodied experience. Um, and I think also, you know, to that point for you as an entrepreneur at this point, you're multiple, multiple, like serial entrepreneur, we can absolutely say that. Yeah. What are some of the things that you have found you need to do to be able to take care of yourself, to make sure that you're at a place where you are looking at things with fresh eyes, you're able to check your ego, you can balance your nervous system, because I think that that's where a lot of people get busy and they forget about that stuff, even though they're yeah. in the wellness space. I think the first step is always having the awareness you're not doing it, right? Mm. Awareness, evolution, adaptation, all that stuff. But um, what do I do? You know, I can easily... So I have these really interesting parts of me where I have... I need a lot of sleep, right? Like I need eight oh, hours. Same. Say I am like 8.5. Like 8.5 is my magic number. Anything less than that, I can do like 8.5 to 9. But yep. anything less than that, like... I'm not a happy camper. <laughs> Me too. And I'm exhausted. And I, so it's really understanding, you know, some of your, I'm going to call them quirks, right? Or necessities that I know after seven o'clock at eight or eight o'clock at night, I am not allowed to do. If I'm going to do work, it's a conscious choice to do the work. And I know that I'm not going to sleep well that night. 
And so it's making that compromise mm. with myself of understanding that's my consequence. It's also understanding that I have permission that the things that I think are so important are not as dire as they are, right? So it's putting that stopgap oh, in. Oh, interesting. Can you go into that a little bit more? Because yeah. that is, I feel like I, as an entrepreneur, there is a never-ending to-do list, which is like one of the things that for me really messes with my nervous system. I like to feel that sense mm-hmm. of completion. And so that is something I'm really working with personally. Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I don't know that I implement it all perfectly all the time, but it is being able to look at, it's wonderful to have a to-do list, but it's also being rational, reasonable, logical with yourself. Everyone's like, well, I'll feel better once it's all done. And it's like, wait a minute. It's never, don't tell yourself ever going to be done because you'd be setting yourself up for disappointment, right? The to-do list will always have something on it. And for a lot of people, they like that. I like having a to-do list. It feels good to have it It's somewhere, but it's also recognizing of how do you prioritize what needs to be done right now and how much of this can be done later, right? By understanding your, but you have to understand your consequences. So to weigh those options up, because I'm the type of person, I'm like, if I, if it's making me anxious and I need to get it off my plate in order to be more present, then that's what I need to do, right? I'll tell my husband, I might get like a crazy email from a client or something, not private client, but if I just need to handle this or it's going to fester in my mind. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's just being clear of the choices that you're making as you do them. You can choose not to do self-care, but make it a choice versus a reaction. And I think Mm. that was a really big defining characteristic for me of going, I'm choosing to do this versus I'm just doing it out of the So I think it's, for me, that's very important, but it's also being like, stop pull back. I'm a Virgo. So I'm very detailed, like in this, like, I want to, I'm so stuck at looking at all the different grains of sand on the beach. I'm like, wait a minute, all the different grains of sand are important, but like, let me see the big picture. It's like these great, each grain of sand's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. So like, relax, let it go. Like, yeah. And it's not forever. It's just for right now. And, but also understanding what your need is. Is really important to be able to go in this moment. What do I need? It might be getting that off my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a drink. I mean, be a cigarette or what happened. So, yeah, you know, you have to, it really is all personal data to look at, assess, understand, and try again. Don't judge it if that's what I need to do and change it to an I want to do it. I'm going to do it. Um, so it's a choice versus I have to. I'm such a mm-hmm. victim to like my circumstances. Just do it. Choose to do it. Yeah. I think that that I get to is such a very powerful reframe that oftentimes like we we forget about that. And I think that's also where everything has, you know, pros and cons, if you will. Like entrepreneurship, like mm-hmm. there is a lot of hard parts about entrepreneurship, but there's also a lot of freedom and space and you have so much more of an ability to expand beyond like there are literally like no limits. And I think when I talk to people who have 
I'm going to say like multiple balls up in the air, right? Because you have your own practice and then you have modern, right? So you're, you know, managing that, you're managing other people, right? It's not just like you in a solo practice with your clients. Like there's other human beings, which yes. human beings are huge variables um, involved there. And then you also, another thing that we can kind of touch into a little bit here is you are in the process of birthing something really big in in the tech space as well. So I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, like you have your own little business, not little, but like your private business where it's you and your clients. Then you have modern, which, you know, there's more people involved. And then like, there's this whole other project going on that has even more people involved. And then I'm hearing that you're also a mother as well. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Two kids, an 18 month old and a four year old. So yeah. Okay. So, right. So like, literally human beings that are depending on you for like, you know, staying alive and things like that. So, you know, this is where I, I have to sit and just think like, wow, like that to me, I'm hearing that. And that just, I'm like, that sounds like a lot, but I'm sitting here with you and your energy is very grounded, very present. I feel like you're really kind of in a good flow state with things. And I'm sure that, you know, there's moments where it doesn't feel that way. hundred percent. Like, let's be clear. (laughs) Everyone's like, how are you doing it all? I'm like, Emma? Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I have my moments where I fall down and cry, or I have my days when I just want to lay in bed and sometimes I do. I'm not gonna lie. Right? Like I have my days where I'm just like, my gremlins come out and I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not this enough, I'm too fat, I'm too the I mean, it's all across the board. Um, I at 41 know myself enough to go, this isn't my norm. This is me under stress, right? Um, that this will pass or what is the work I need to do or I've been triggered. I'm grateful for that. Um, it's interesting because I can tell you right now, having come out of seven years of modern and 13 years of therapy or doing hypnotherapy and now working on this tech and being a mom that the most important thing for me right now, I kept going, what is not working? Something's not working for me right now in Mm -hmm. my life. Literally, this has been like the last like week and a half of just like Mm -hmm. deep therapy and Reiki and all this crazy stuff. I'm like, something's not working. What's not working? And I realized that as much as everything looks great on the surface, there's so much pain behind, you know, modern New York in terms of the closure and all. There are a lot of things that happened up there, but it's really looking at right now. I lost myself, I think, a bit in it of who I wanted to be like, mm. or who I was. Like, I think I moved out of New York um, and it was like, who am I here? Right. I'm kind of having this like identity crisis. If I know who I was before I had kids, I know who I was with kids, right? I'm mom. But now who am I? I, you know, I don't really have a huge practice in Philly yet, but I also haven't focused on that. So it's like, so I'm really going through this. And it, what came to me is like, I really do want to get back to being, I'm a hypnotherapist. And it's funny to say, because of course I'm a hypnotherapist, like, but I'm a hypnotherapist who does these other things mm, right and mm-hmm. i want to be this one thing versus trying to be it all and it felt so simple to clarify that weirdly in my mind uh, yeah i'm a hypnotherapist first and foremost and that's what i love and that's what i 
do that's what I do and that's what I'm good at. And then underneath, I have these other things that I do that support me being able to do that. Um, and so that's been very cool because at the end of the day, right, like business, spa businesses close. And then if that goes away, it's like, then what? Mm. Like, oh, right. Like, I don't want that to be tied into my purse of who I am, right? Like the sunset, um, selling sunset, like, oh, well, I don't have to do any of the work because I'm I'm very much a real estate broker, but it's like, no, in my heart of hearts, I'll always be hypnotherapist and I can live with that. And I love that. And one of the new businesses that I'm working on is I felt so limited in that not everyone can afford to work with me, right? Mm, My heart is like, I want everyone to give this away. I also have to feed my kids and myself. (laughs) Um, And there's worth in the work I'm doing, but I understand like not everyone wants to pay three hundred to five hundred dollars for a session. And um, how do I make that access accessible? So seven years ago, I'd come up with this idea of how to do that, had it coded, and then got into a little bit of a snafu with the coders, and they wouldn't release the code. And finally, I was like, I don't have the time or the patience to deal with this. Put it on the sideline, and then during COVID, reached out to people and puff verbal has now been created. And we went through our first round of beta testing, which was incredible. Um, great feedback. 80% of people said that they felt differently using it. Uh, we added in all this other stuff to it. So verbal in its simplest form is a choose your own adventure of hypnosis. That uh, sounds so fun. So what you get to do is go in and choose what do you want to work on and how do you want to get into your meditative or hypnotic state, right? Do you want to walk mm-hmm. down a staircase? Do you want to watch clouds? And you can curate your experience how you want to do it. Um, eventually, we're going to have like tons of stuff that you can do, random space stuff. Um, but you can you get to piecemeal it all together or have it auto-generate for you as well around um, and you just get to listen to it. So uh, the breathe, listen, change technique is really all about, right? Like being able to intuitively, like just breathe with your body, be you, get back to your breath, listen, right? The hypnosis is not about having to do anything. It's about letting us do the work for you um, in a lot of ways. And then, you know, you change because, you know, we're here. That's what we are, behavioral change app. Uh, and then there's also our daily verbal page, which is all about coming in for a daily challenge or a morning activation, um, quick tools to help you in a pinch, right? Cause it happens and we're going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have your, uh, daily verbal cards, which are kind of, they're not tarot cards, but they're insight cards into like an image and what we see and how to help you in your day good night verbal stuff too. So there's a lot of really exciting stuff. And this is just the sampling. So if you're interested in being a verbal test, a tester for the next round that's coming out, we are taking applications for that. It's really simple. You just fill out at myverbal.com. Take you through the links. We're going to send it out in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, we'll definitely include that in the, uh, in the show notes for people, because I think that that is the, it's interesting because we, really went out of in-person during, uh, you know, during COVID and now we're back to in-person. But the other thing that is happening simultaneously right now is AI and virtual reality, right? 
And so it's kind of how do we find this balance between being able to access things, but also making sure that we're still kind of keeping the human part in it. And I really hear, hear you making that a point in this app release. Yeah. I mean, I think it, the, we're in this crazy mental health pandemic, right? And I, my heart bleeds that there's so many people out there who want to change and just can't afford to do it. Um, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair. Uh, you know, I've always released my stop smoking recording for free. Cause I'm like, everyone deserves to at least be smoke free. Uh, you know, I'd give this all away if I could uh, as well. But again, there are costs to all this stuff too. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time of wanting to heal. And I think the more options that people have, that you're going to find the right things. And I think finding the right people that you trust to build the product. Um, you know, I hope that people see that in me, that it's like an authentic, genuine you know, there's a lot of thought that's go- gone into it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, just tying a thread between all of these things, I, as somebody who's listening to your story, I really want to know what do you feel like it is about you that helps you just kind of go for it? Because I know lots of people that are very gifted, that have lots of great ideas, that would love to do this, that, or the other thing. And they're either spinning their wheels or they feel like, you know, to do all the things that you're doing, they would literally need to like give up sleeping, which, you know, we've said that is very important to you, or they can't have kids because, you know, it's either entrepreneurship or children. And it really does seem like you've been able to just have a certain level of tenacity in the way that you approach things. Yeah, it's a really good question, too. Um if I make it look easy, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, and I apologize because I want to be clear that it it's not easy. Um, and it's especially not easy when you're faced with fear. And I think 90% of people's blocks come from fear. Agree. Um, I think one of the best tools that I've ever received or learned and implemented was really understanding how to, how to, deal with fear um first step being aware that that's what's blocking you somewhere it's like what am i afraid of right and there may be some very reasonable things that you're afraid of maybe going bankrupt maybe losing a partner maybe you know there's these are real fears but just because the fears are there doesn't mean that they aren't you aren't able to find a solution around them and i think we don't always know the solution right away Right. And that, you know, there's tons of business issues that I go through that I'm like, I do not know what to do. Um, And it's when you start talking to people, when you start thinking about it, that you find the answers. The answers don't just come because you're logical. Sometimes they do. But it's also the, the best answers come when you're able to sort of step back and look at it. So it's that visionary energy of sort of being able to step back and look at everything from afar, but also see it up close. Right. And that's been very helpful. But really, in simplest forms, it's, well, if I didn't have this fear, what would I, what would I be doing? Mm, I think that, love unlocks, that, question. that unlocks a lot for me to move forward of, if I didn't have this fear, what would I do? And that really gives me my, my excitement point. 
And if I do have this fear, then what do I do? They're very different emotions, very different thoughts, very different actions from both. And so I can choose also, it's like, so what do I want to do about it? There's the action implementation where the action potential comes in of like, what do I want to do about this then? Knowing I might go bankrupt. Okay, well, I'm going to choose, again, there's a choice, not to do it and be comfortable knowing my choice is a sound choice. Or I'm going to choose to find another option or way to do it, right? Because if we don't have any options, we become victim to circumstance. And the more that we have options, whether they're viable or not, you could at least like have more room to move and shift. And so I think that's always been a very powerful tool that and also permission to have my emotions. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of times like as a kid, I was told like, oh, my God, stop being angry. You're so dramatic. Or, you know, there are a lot of things that come out Uh, first. No, I'm allowed to be angry. Eventually, I ought to be very angry if I want to. I don't have to be reactive angry, but I'm allowed to have these emotions and feel them. They're probably reasonable, rational on some level. Yeah, then, absolutely. Because the more I deny them, the stronger they get. So to be able yeah. to shift those. And, say, um, yeah. and having a wonderful support system. Like people you can turn to to talk about things, to get advice, you know, board of advisors, if you will, uh, whether those are friends, family, or actual board of professionals. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just a follow-up question to that is what do you feel like has been the most challenging part of entrepreneurship for you? I think it's feeling tying when you tie your boat to hope, the hope boat, um, (laughs) the hope boat, boat, um, (laughs) there are, I think as a visionary, you can see it working. And it's very hard when it doesn't. It's like, Mm. what am I doing? Right. Like, I think there's the expectation that everything, every seed you plant will grow and it will grow really quick. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That it's taking these moments to really go. The hope boat is not a good business plan. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I think that is it very disappointing like hope is a dangerous thing um it's a beautiful thing but it can be a very dangerous thing in a lot of ways because you hope and wish but it also takes out of when i hear my clients or myself go i just wish i could do this well who are you wishing to you're taking it out of your hands to be able to control that or do that yeah um so it's the hope boat's tough for me because it's like i want these things so bad and i think there were a lot of things with modern New York that you're like, I'm just going to do this and this is going to work. And then you're going to see a result and we're going to get out of this debt and we're going to do this and blah, blah, blah. And that, you know, it's not that I'm not doing the work, but it's, was that a sound business decision or, mm. you know, is this good for the business or is this what I wish would happen? Right. Mm. Working in ideal. So that's been very tough because I think I can, anything works. Uh, but maybe I, who knows? Maybe I can't. Uh, the hope boat will tell me. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think those things are disappointing. Um, their disappointments come from things that you feel so strongly about that others might not find value in. Um, and that that's difficult. Or, you know, I think Philly is a very different 
um, environment and atmosphere than New York. So I think coming down here, we're going, uh, there's some things that we can do that I'll, you know, I'll feel when I think I've learned my lesson. And it's like, oh, because Philly's not New York. And isn't that wonderful that Philly's not New York? And, you know, Philly's not LA and New York's not LA. You know, so it's like you have to understand the environment. And I think what's been very interesting down here, and I love it about Philly. Thank you, Philly. People really, instead of going, oh, the crystal that I need to just go do it because it's so cool. Right. They're like, no, tell me why I need to do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. So it actually really shifted a lot of our marketing um, in the newsletters I write, where it's like, you're right. Let me tell you why this beautiful Instagram worthy bed of rainbow lights is worth you coming to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And like really getting back to that education piece that you leaned into when you were first starting as a hypnotherapist. I think we forget how important, you know, it's one thing to want to come in and be, have experiential wellness, right? The experience of it. But it's another thing to actually get back to the education of like how important these things can be for you if you want. Mm, Yeah. And so if you could give one piece of advice to let's say, you know, a wellness entrepreneur that's listening to this podcast right now in terms of just business or marketing or financial, something that like, you know, younger you wish that you had known that you know now, what would be that piece of advice? That's that, there's a few things. One is know your story. Mm. Um, your story is your marketing and your marketing is your story. Right. So people are buying you, right? If you're mm-hmm. a private practice, right? They yeah. are buying you. They are buying into who you are and what you do and why you do it. Um, as a business, it's know your who and your story, right? Of like I think it's always so important because again, you're gonna attract the right people versus everyone. It's know that everyone's not your client. Yeah. They could be, but that's again. I fought this in school of everyone being like, you have to find your niche. You have to find your, or your niche. You have to find your Young niche. Because <laughs> um, I was like, I don't want to find my niche. I, want, I can do it all. Why would I? And it was like, no, you can do it all. And you should at first, right? It's like you go large and your niche may find you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's, I am an anxiety and stress specialist. Like that, I finally ended up moving away. But it's like, know that you're allowed to specialize too. That not you do not have to do everything. I hate doing weight loss. I I can do it. I can do a really great job. I just not preferred very mm-hmm. expert. Mm-hmm. And network, network, network. Get out. Mm. And tell your story to people and your business story. What you do, why you do it, how you love it. Tell people stories about clients that you've worked with. Not who they are or anything yeah like, we're respecting you know, confidentiality here but yeah <laughs> of course always but it's like oh yeah i was working with this client who was a nail biter and we talked about this and then they shifted with within a session oh you make it relatable make your story relatable um and it, it, it does it goes such a such a long way so i think you just gave probably like ten thousand dollars of mentorship advice in like five minutes so thank you for that you're welcome <laughs> not, not everyone. There's a lot more if knowledge. You're looking for free. a mentor, Alexandra's available. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, I have been through the ringer. I, there, we have to have like a ten series to go through all the things that I've learned the hard way. I'm like, Lesson basically, one. business school, like in my real life, 
like through over the seven years, a little longer, but um, yeah, you learn a lot. Yeah. But but that's like, it's like that on the job trial by fire, you know, kind of thing. And that's where, again, I'm going to bring it back to working with a, a mentor can be really powerful because I think that that's where those people have gone through, you know, the ringer, they run the gauntlet, they have, you know, failed a lot. They have maybe yes. had, you know, financial, like, you know, ruin and all these yes. different things. And they're offering their learning experience to you so that maybe you don't have to like, you know, I think failure is important. I Very. My favorite acronym for failure is first attempt in learning. I think failure is not anything to be afraid of. However, I think that, you know, it, you can either trip or you can like fall on your freaking face. And like maybe working with a mentor helps you like trip a little bit, but it saves you the pain of falling on your face because you've learned a thing or two from somebody else's lived experience. Yeah. And I think truly, I None of the, I mean, I've had some real whoopsie doos, but um, they're not <laughs> failures. They really are learning opportunities if you give yourself permission to look at it that way. Truly, it's like I keep saying to myself in these heated moments when you're under the gun, it's like, this is happening for me, not to me. This is happening for me, not to me. There's always something to learn to grow from. It all makes sense, I promise, later in the story. Like, Get through it. Learn. If you can't grow, growing or dying, right? You're growing or dying. Keep growing. Um, mm. Keep learning. Keep failing. Uh, I'm still failing at things. So like, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> Fail forward. We love it. <laughs> I mean, learn learn the tools to shift the energy as you go through it. Be patient with yourself, but know that these things make you stronger. Mm. They do. They really that. do. I mean, cause I, the other day I was like, I'm such a fucking idiot. I'm like, ah, blah, blah, blah. but here I am like, talking with you and listening i'm like wow no i really do have a lot of experience in college i have a small <laughs> kid in my brain this four-year-old or whomever she is like sitting here going, <laughs> yeah like you're so cool like that's like sometimes like i think about like you know my teenage self man she was she was having a time she did not well, think that we were gonna like make it going back let yet. alone like do anything good uh, and I, I think about her like, you know, and I, I just kind of like go back and I'm like, Hey, guess what? Like you're in a healthy relationship and like you have a career, like helping people and like, you actually really love yourself. And isn't that like really cool. And I think that that's where, if I could go back, like all that pain, you know, in terms of like what she was feeling with like, what is the point of all this? Like, why am I even here? Like yeah. just hang in there. It, it all works out. I promise. Exactly. And if it's not working out, that's okay too. Look at it, inspect it, figure out what you want. And I think that's the last thing I would say for people is like the universe, if you want to talk about that whole, like you, mm-hmm. you need to know what you want, what you're driving towards and for. If you're going to be wishy-washy about it, it's like, well, that could be good. And that it's like, you're not going to be moving forward quickly. Know what you want, you can change it tomorrow. But in every moment, it's going this is what I want right now. Let's go for it. Or big picture. I'm going to California. Now you know which way you're going, right? You, But know on your journey and your path, there are going to be pivots. And this is sailing, right? You're tacking, you're diving. You're not driving a motorboat directly there. Um, and just have those tools. Learn those tools of what, how do you pivot and shift when things mm. are happening. 
Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I work with my clients a lot on identity and intention, right? Like who, who are you? Like really, who are you? And I love that part of your story recently has been getting back to your roots as a hypnotherapist, right? Because that is a lot of your why is really grounded in the art of hypnotherapy and what that can do to help people. And then intention, right? Like have it be a choice, have it be aligned to wherever it is that you're going and create an intentional choice that is essentially going to help you to be able to get where it is that you've decided you're going to go. Because I think when we don't have direction, that's when it creates a lot of inaction. And that's when we do a lot of like busy work, especially as entrepreneurs, because there's always something to do, but it doesn't mean that it's moving you forward. Right. The anxiety of it, where it's like, I just should do something. And it's like, okay, I'll just write a list of things. And you're like, we're all like scroll on instagram for ideas god (laughs) i know i should right now i'm struggling with the i should totally make a workbook i'm going to i was was gonna say if you want to like re-listen to this the last 20 minutes of this and like make a workbook for entrepreneurs i think that that thing would sell like hotcakes because i really like those four pieces of advice that you really leaned into and and shared with everyone like i know that that's going to be a big shift for a lot of people just hearing those words from a seasoned person and also your honesty and authenticity in terms of just like yo just yesterday i was having one of those moments where i'm like you suck and you know now today you're able to be like okay you're actually you're all right you just keep going you're doing Okay. <laughs> so funny. Every time someone says seasoned like veteran or seasoned whatever, I'm always like seasoned French fries. I'm like, I just need French fries now. <laughs> I, I mean, seasoned French fries. They said, I'm just gonna be like, I'm a seasoned French fry. Yeah. Like, what are you? What are you seasoned with? Well, yeah. And I, and I think that's where, like, you know, even doing identity work and turn right. I was about to say, you seem like old you would be old bay fries, kind of gal, or a dope <laughs> seasoning. But, ah. If you would take nothing away from this podcast audience, it is identity work comes down to what seasoning blend are you really? Really? You? I'm an old bay girl. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So Alexandra, I want to let people know, like, do you work with people virtually? Do you work with people in Philly? If people are interested in working with you, are you accepting clients right now? And also if you could tell us a little bit more about how to, you know, get to modern and like what's going on there, because I think that that's also something for a lot of our Philly listeners, they'd really appreciate all right. So hi, Philly listeners or any wherever you may be. So fly from- in. If you're going to be here for selfish, you can come in and yeah. visit Modern. <laughs> um, so for my private practice, I do work virtually and I also work out of my office here in Philadelphia. I am looking to get a different office. I work out of Modern, but I'm like, I just need to be separate for some reason. Feels right. Um, but I am working with people here in Philly. Uh, I also, so for Modern Sanctuary, we are located at 1420 Walnut Street. So just off Broad, right on Walnut. We are upstairs on the 12th floor. We're kind of like in your little secret tree house. Um, secret tree house. I promise the, the hallways are not as bad as everyone says. But then when you walk into our office, it's like, wow, dirt walls, very soothing, very modern. Um, you're welcome to come. We have a 15% off discount code that's even on the website. So when you go, you'll Easily see it's right there. You do not need to do anything. You don't need to put your in- email in. Just do it. Um, and we would love to see everyone there. There's a lot of things that we can do, um, whether it's massage, facials, body contouring, infrared sauna, crystal bed, Reiki, um, 
lymphatic drainage, cupping. We even have partnerships with like an acupuncturist who's right next door or a chiropractor if you need one. So come. Um, you guys are like totally one-stop shop going on there. Totally. <laughs> Um, if you're a member of Fittler Club here in Philly, I'm going to be giving two talks there in the fall. Um, and I'm always welcome to meet up with anyone for coffee, too. So that's, that's awesome. Awesome. sticking to it. And then Burble, <laughs> uh, myburble.com is my wellness tech platform that we are looking for beta users. If you're interested in trying it out and giving some feedback on it, um, it's happy. That is so exciting. Alexandra, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. Also share so many words of wisdom. And again, I really just appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability. This is something that is so near and dear to my heart in terms of like helping people know that we're all in this together. We're all just, you know, kind of trying our very, very best to, again, put our purpose into practice. And I really honor the fact that you are a beautiful example of that and you are doing it in a very human way. And I can't wait to come to Modern myself and really check things out. And I'm definitely going to be checking out your tech platform as well, because that sounds really exciting and definitely something I'd like to refer to my clients as well. Amazing. Well, I appreciate you even having this platform for me to be able to share this and taking the time. I've been on the radio side of doing radio podcasts and I'm just like, they do take a lot of energy despite what people think. So, um, but it's always exciting. Kind of like a fun little one-on-one coffee. (laughs) We get to dish and spill tea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. All right. There you have it. Another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast on the books. I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you. Join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights. Remember, exceptional leaders share the wealth. Send this episode to someone who would benefit, leave a review to let others know about the show, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.